Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, it says, Again, is that right? Yeah. And again, Isaiah says, and uh, if you have a Bible that has a little star beside it, um, that star often indicates in a lot of our Bibles that this, uh, that which is about to be spoken is a prophecy, a prophecy um, that has been spoken about in the Old Testament. And specifically, if it's shaded in like my Bible, it signifies that it's a messianic prophecy, which means it's a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And when it said, again, Isaiah says, Isaiah is known as being one of the messianic prophets, which means that a lot of his writings or prophecies concern the Messiah or concern the life and the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it says in verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse and he who shall rise and and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall hope. Now, let me tell you that root of Jesse, you know who that's referring to? That's Jesus Christ. So what he's saying, there shall be a root of Jesse, the be a root of Jesse and he who is Jesus Christ shall rise to reign over the Gentiles And in him, who is Jesus Christ, listen to this, the Gentiles shall have hope. Verse 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice it said, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go one more place. I want you to turn to Hosea or either um, uh, push your buttons to Hosea, whatever, or they're going to put it on the screen. You know, that's the part of your Bible that's like stuck together where the pages are matted, you know, because it's, it's like uncharted territory. You know, um, nobody, nobody deals with those guys, the minor prophets. But I told the last service, I said, they may, be, they may be called minor prophets, but they have major things to say. And so I'm going to look at Hosea and Hosea in one verse of scripture, Hosea chapter two. It says this, I will give her vineyards from here and I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. A valley um, and the valley of Achor as a door of of hope. Now, if you have a Bible that has a center reference, that word acor is translated to trouble. So notice what it says in the valley of acor or in the valley of trouble, I'll bring a door of hope. Amen. If you're taking notes this evening or this morning or yeah, I guess it's kind of in between. But if you want to put a title to this Uh, uh, you know, to this teaching that I'm going to do this morning, you can call it finding hope in a hard place, finding hope in a hard place. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time. I ask that you would bless this service and bless this time and that you would speak to us supernaturally, divinely and specifically in this service. May we hear what you would desire for us to hear in this service. I pray, God, that there would be a voice within my voice, Lord, 
that, that, that awakens faith and ignites encouragement in the heart of every listener. I thank you in advance for your anointing and your grace to teach your word. And I thank you that as it goes out today, it shall not return unto you void, but it shall prosper where you send it to and accomplish all that you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I am, I am after, after being pastoring several years now, um, a little going on 12 years now, um, I've had the, I can say privilege and even honor uh, at times and um, to be a part of homegoing services or to officiate uh, funerals or be a part of those or walking through just tough times with family. Um, it's one of the some of the one of the toughest things sometimes to do as a pastor, but it's also one of the most fulfilling and rewarding things to do as a pastor also to be able to be there with people during tough times. But but this time of the year, I'm very well aware that for many, it's a time of excitement. It's many, it's a time of, of joy. For many, it's a time of great expectation and anticipation. And, and people have planned parties and people have planned family get-togethers. And maybe you've had some already. And, and even the, 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 our communities and our neighborhoods and our cities, as they begin to decorate all these different types of things for the holidays, you know, there, there is a, uh, in our culture, it's a time to be excited and a time to be joyful. But at the same time, I realize that's not everyone's story. Sometimes it's during the holidays can be uh, some of the hardest times for people, especially those that even in this past year may have lost loved ones or even years before. And you enter into what I call that season of first, where you begin to go through the first holidays and the first um, uh, annual you know, birthdays and anniversaries and things of that sort for the very first time. For some of you may have lost loved ones. This may be your, for you probably just had you, your first Thanksgiving and this will be your first Christmas without that significant other or loved one in your life. And it's tough and it's hard and where many may be excited and joy filled for you, it's a, it's a tough time. There's, there's a bit of mourning. There's a bit of sorrow. There's a, even a bit of sadness and times that you just kind of have to fight off even loneliness. Those are real feelings. Those are real issues. Those are real situations. Can I get a big amen there? And that's what people are walking through. And oftentimes during this time, it's often referred to even as what they call binge season. In other words, where it's a time that, that many people, just because of the pressures of the moment of the time, they, 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 they find themselves in places of seemingly hopelessness or helplessness, overwhelmed by all the responsibilities and overwhelmed just by life in general. And they find themselves doing things that they wouldn't normally do for the sake of trying to find peace and find, trying to find joy and trying to find hope but even I want to encourage you this morning that even if that's you this morning I want to tell you the Bible says that our God that we serve is the God of all comfort and our God knows how to comfort us the scripture said in all of our trouble so it doesn't matter what your trouble is we serve a God that says I have comfort for every type of trouble that you may be facing the scripture even said that Jesus Christ is our high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, which means that he knows every emotion. He knows every feeling. He knows every thought that is going through our mind and the things that we're dealing with. And what I love about that.
that is family may not know and your husband may not know your wife or your children or your best friends or your pastors might not even know how you're feeling but I want to tell you this morning there is one person that knows exactly how you feel and his name is Jesus Christ and it's good that he knows because he knows how you feel but he also knows what you need to help you get better he knows how to give you help when it seems like you have no help he knows how to bring comfort when you're longing for peace and joy Jesus Christ the son of the living God our great high priest knows exactly what you need when you need it and how you need it and I want to tell you that he is abundantly available by his spirit by his grace and by his word this morning in this service for you if you need that hand of help that touch of hope and that grace that brings strength if you believe that this morning give Jesus a shout of praise and I'll move on When you talk about hope, I even thought about this time. You look at our, our, our society and, and, and look at our nation, all the things that we have faced this year, the different uh, types of devastations and destructions from natural disasters to all the terroristic things that we've had to endure as a nation. And just when you think that we're, we're almost out of 2017, then we have a week like we just had here in, in California with more fires and more devastation and destruction. It's just heartbreaking to know that even as we stand here in this service this morning, that hundreds of homes have been devastated and lost. Could you imagine what's going through the minds of those people who, who had already planned out what Christmas is going to look like, but now have to look around and see that they don't have the homes and the places that they thought they would have. And when you go through things like this, when you face life, how many of you know life is real? And life is real and life can hand you things. And there's a sense of hopelessness that can come. There's a sense of, of, of despair and, and, and a loss of peace and joy that can come in a time that it should be the exact opposite. And that's real talk this morning. It could actually happen. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to know that even if all those things, I'm walking through those different situations and circumstances this morning. Because here's the reality. Let me throw this in before I go forward. As we sing that song, you are good. You are good. You are good. You're never going to let me down. In reality, not just people out in the world. But even people that would sit under the sound of my voice this morning. There's that little voice in the back of my head that would say, God, if you're good. If you're so good, then why am I experiencing so much bad? Why am I going through the times that I'm going through? But I want to tell you this morning, the worst thing that we could ever do is charge the dysfunctions of man to the character of God, to charge circumstances to the character of God. I want to tell you that your God and our God is a good God and a faithful God and a loving God. And he's a God that knows how to cause all things to work together for the good of them who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. I didn't say all things were good, but God, like a master chef, knows how to pull it all together and redeem greatness out of the worst situation that we think we could face in life. When you talk about hope this morning, finding hope in a hard place, we need to realize the necessity of hope. 
Hope can, hope can and must be a vital part of our lives. We cannot make it through life without hope. Listen, we can go 40 days without food. We can go eight days without water. We can go four minutes without air, but we can only go a few seconds without hope. Hope is one of our greatest assets in life. Even when it comes to our faith as a believer, hope is the fuel for our faith. What do you mean, Javon? Hebrews 11 and one says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified puts it this way. Listen to how it reads. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for. Notice what the parentheses say. Divinely guaranteed and the evidence of the things not seen, the conviction of their reality, Faith comprehend as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. Understand that our faith is even fueled by hope. Faith begins with hope. It has to start with a hope. And notice what it said. What am I hoping in? It said divinely guaranteed. Well, where does hope begin? I want to tell you this morning, real hope and true hope, it begins in the divine. And there's only one person that is divine and that is God himself. If I'm going to have hope that fuels my faith, it has to be hope that is in God and God alone. Are you following me this morning? What does hope do for mankind? Let me tell you a few things. Hope shines brightest when the hour is darkness. Hope energizes the body when it's tired. Hope believes when evidence has been eliminated. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses toward victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. And hope brings the victory when no one is winning. Hope is what sustains us. Hope is what keeps us. Hope is what will allow us to continue to move forward in life. And that hope has to be rooted and founded in God and in God alone. Amen. Hope in a hard place. How do I find it? I'm glad you asked. I want to give you several things this morning. And I want I have them to put up an acronym. And I'm going to work through these time permitted to be able to give them to you. Notice it said hope. I want the heart of hope. The object of hope. The promise of hope. And the empowerment of hope. Little acronym over there. H-O-P-E, hope. I hope you can see it up there. The heart of hope. What do you mean the heart of hope? I just told you. The very heart of hope or the foundation or the source of hope is in God alone. Ephesians 2.12 says this. Having no hope without God in this world. In other words, if I'm going to have hope in this world, that hope comes as a result of having God in my life. If I don't have God in my life, I cannot expect to have hope in this world. Hope in the world comes as a result of having God in my life. The, the psalmist said this, who was suffering from what I call uh, uh, the syndrome of a sour soul. What do you mean? He says this in Psalms 42. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He is the help of my countenance. One translation said, why are you discouraged? Why, is you, why are you so sad, O heart? Why are you crushed and why are you troubled? Why are you down in the dust? 
jumps. Why are you crying the blues? One, one translation said. Do you see the picture that is painted? The psalmist is actually having a conversation with himself. He realized, he was like, why have I allowed myself to get to this place? He's saying, soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you down and out? Why are you acting this way? You know better than this. It's almost like he grabbed his soul by his shirt and pulled him up inside and say, listen, you know better than this. This is not who we are. This is not what God has called us to be. This is not the place we hang out. I know things are tough and I know things are hard, but we're not throwing in the towel. We're not giving up. We're not walking away. We're not throwing up our hands. I need you to understand, oh soul, you've got to get yourself back in the proper place. You've allowed yourself to lose focus. You've allowed yourself to become distracted. He said the way that you're going to get your bearings back spiritually, you've got to get back in hope in God. And I want to ask you this morning, what have you allowed to distract your hope? What has grabbed your attention to cause you to begin to wonder or even possibly lose hope? I'm glad you came to this service today, but I believe because I believe you're not here by accident today. We're going to get our perspective of hope back. It's going to be put back in the right place where it belongs because when hope is misplaced, our life will become a disgrace. I'm going to say it again. When hope is misplaced, our life will become a disgrace. Many people are suffering from misplaced hope. Hope being placed in the wrong place. If it's not in God, it's in the wrong place. If it's not in God, it's in the wrong place. What do you mean? The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 chapter 24 um, is the verse of scripture. It says this, you cannot serve two masters. It says either you're going to be loyal to one, you're going to despise the other. You're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. And he says this, God, you cannot serve God and mammon. Did you catch that? A lot often people say God and money, but it's, if he meant money, he would have said money, but he, he said God and mammon. Now, let me tell you what mammon is. Let me give you a little history. Mammon is not money. Mammon was actually a false God, a false Syrian God that they worship. And the false Syrian God that they worship, the reason why they worship the God of Mammon, because listen what Mammon promised. Mammon said, if you worship me, I'll give you identity, I'll give you security, I'll give you peace, I'll give you significance, I'll give you joy, and I'll give you happiness. But you have to worship me. If you want joy, if you want security, if you want happiness, if you want identity, it's all in worshiping me. It was a false God. It was a God that wanted to take place of the real God to try to get, oh my God. He wanted to try to give you what the only real God can give you. Because I'm telling you that your real identity, your real security, your real happiness, your real joy, your real peace will not be found in the false gods of this world. They can only be found in Jesus Christ. Oh, come See, they would worship mammon. But let, let me bring mammon to 2017. The mammon, the spirit of mammon is the spirit of materialism. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Because what it says, if you get me, you'll get identity. Oh, okay, let me get if, Okay, if you get this car, then you're this type of person. If you drive this 
then you're that. If you live here, then you're that. If you got this, then you're all that. But in order for you to have peace, you got to wear this designer clothes. In order for you to have joy, you got to live in this neighborhood. In order for you to have significance and purpose in life, you can't drive a Honda. You must have a Bentley. In order for you to be seen as somebody, oh, y'all don't want to hear, you don't want to get with me this morning. That's all right. That's all right. It's okay. I'm going to still teach you this morning. But that's what it says. And I'm not against you having things, and God is not either. But God is against things having you. And the problem is we live in a time that people get so consumed of trying to please people and put up, oh, my God, spend money that we don't have, buying things that we don't need, trying to impress people we don't know and we don't even like. And so we live our lives. Maybe I'm in the wrong service. Yeah, oh no, I'm in the right service. And so now, watch this, we're walking around. We got everybody's name on us in the mall. But here we thought, we got Louis Vuitton on us. We got Cartier on our hand. We got, oh y'all, yeah. We got all these names. But my question, do you know your name? Do you know who you are in Jesus Christ? Because you can have all these names and labels on the outside, but do you have hope on the inside? When hell breaks out, can your clothes heal you? When hell breaks out. Can that car deliver you when hell breaks out? Oh, y'all. And people are losing hope because hope is in the wrong place. This is what Job said. Job had a heart check when he went through one of the most troubling times of his life. He said, I'm going to check my heart before God. He said, he said, Lord, no, not that yet. He said, Lord, he said, he said, this is what I want to do. I need to check my heart. He says, have I put hope in the wrong things? Have I made gold my hope? Have I put my confidence in stuff that I've required? He said, Lord, if I've made a mistake and begin to trust in, the, in your hands instead of having hope in your heart, please forgive me because I realize if that's what I've done, then I'm deserving of judgment. How dare I begin to get confused with the blessings and the blesser? How dare you be so good to me and bless me so much and now I done forgot about you because I'm all caught up in what you did for me. Uh-oh. And the Bible said that God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Job, your heart is pure. He said, but, but, but it's so pure, I'm willing to put you in a contest or a test if I should say. What do you mean, Javon? Do you remember that the Bible said that God, that, that Satan came up and he was always accusing people and God said, what are you doing, devil? You're up to something. You're up to no good. I don't know. I'm looking like looking, trying to take one of your little souls out. And he said, oh, really? I have one that I, I, I am happy to put up against you. And he said, oh, really? He said, yes, really. This is my sermon. I can preach how I want to. He said, oh, really? He said, yes. He said, well, who is he? he I said, his name is Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you hear God bragging on Job? See, we always talk about God, us, uh, have a man having faith in God. But look at God having faith in man. God said, I got a man that I'm willing to put up. I want to ask you this morning. Do you live in such a way that God consider, can consider you for Satan? Do you live in such a way that he's so, oh my God, he's so overwhelmed. He's so ca called up and who you are and that you live a life that pleases him that if it ever comes up to a showdown with the devil he said you can consider Eddie Perales you can consider this per uh, over here can you consider 
And the Bible said, the devil said, oh, him. The one that loves you. The one that you, what, listen to this. Listen, this is what the devil, the one that you've blessed the works of his hands. The one that you've increased in abundance. The one that the favor of God is all over him. That one. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, cause him to lose everything he had. Put your hand on his stuff and I'll guarantee you he'll curse you to your face. Because what Satan thought that Job's hope was in, in the things that he had and what he had and not who he had. And so what Satan said, because if I get rid of his stuff, I can get rid of him. In other words, I'm going to start taking the things he can see only to get to the thing that he cannot see, which is his hope. And so he said, if you just let me start taking stuff from him, I'll show you that he only loves you because of what you can give to him. But the Bible said, as I expedite this little point, the Bible said that Job lost everything. He lost his wealth, he lost his health, and he lost his family. But I'm going to tell you one thing that he did not lose. He did not lose his hope. And when he stood there, everything gone boils on his body scraping them off with a dull stone sitting there with everything gone in pot ashes the bible said the one thing that he didn't lose was his hope and if there's one thing that makes hell mad is that when he sees a saint of god when he sees a follower of christ when they've gone through hell and back when they've lost everything they've lost their job they've lost finances they've been through horrible family situations and circumstances but yet somehow they muster up the strength to get to free chapel at 1130 and come in and say, oh, oh, he slay me. Yet will I serve him. They get enough. Come on, somebody that they come to church anyway. I may not have what I used to have, but I still got him. And here's the thing. When you got him, come on, you can get everything you had back because the Bible said that he restored Job twice as much and his latter end was greater than his beginning. Can I just prophesy this morning that somebody's latter end is going to be greater than your beginning? Number two, let me get through this. Number one is the heart of hope. Number two is, are you ready? The object of hope. Did you see what he said in Romans in our text? The text says this. If you go back and look at it, I read it to you. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. He who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall have hope. You know who he's talking about? I told you earlier. The object of hope is Jesus Christ. Watch this. God the Father is the source of hope. God the Son, Jesus Christ, number two, is the object of hope. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, listen to what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, watch this, to a living hope through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. What do you mean? Notice it said a living hope. I'm glad that my hope is in a living Savior. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a dead Savior. 
But the Bible said we have a living hope because it's in our living Savior, Jesus Christ. And notice what sealed it. What seals and solidifies our hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because, oh, listen, he paid the price for it on Friday. Watch this. But he sealed it on Sunday when he got up. Oh, my God. Can I teach a little bit? See, the resurrection was the receipt that God gave to humanity that the purchase had been made on the cross and it was finished. Do you know what a receipt? Receipt says my right of possession. I got any SOD students in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my right of possession of purchase. And let me tell you something. That receipt has power. Because, oh God. Have you ever had to take something back? There's some stores that have amazing customer service. And some of them, I don't know if it's amazing customer service or if it's just, they're just naive or, or something. Because I know this significant other, this person that's near and dear to my heart, that, that has the capacity to hold on to receipts and take stuff back and get returns and think like when it's eight months down the line or something like and, 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 and I've been told, they said, as long as I got my receipt, it's always proof of my purchase. And notice, people that have the hard time with returns or qualifying what they bought are people who don't have receipts. They say, well, no, if I'm going to exchange this, I need a receipt. If, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. How do I know you bought it? How do I know you didn't steal it? How do I know you didn't rob it from somebody's car? How do I know? And you will have so much turmoil and trouble trying to argue with customer service because they need to say, you know what? I really need to see a receipt because all you have to do is show me the receipt. When you show me the receipt, all this, come on, all arguments are done. We don't have to argue about nothing. See, that's what Jesus Christ did when he rose from the get grave. He gave you a receipt for every promise in this book. And he said, when I got up, Come on. He said, I, you got a receipt for your hope. That receipt says the price has been paid for everything that I died on on that cross. You don't have to argue with the devil. You don't have to argue with demons. You don't have to argue with situations. My receipt is my proof of purchase. And because I have a receipt, I've got a right to healing. Because I got a receipt, I got a right to provision. I got a receipt, I have a right to peace and comfort. For my receipt, which is the resurrection, guarantees my hope. The Bible said that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, The God of this world have blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. You know what the enemy's tactic is? It's to blind us. With hopeless situations. Blind us with depression. And blind us with fear. And blind us with anxiety. And blind us with hardship. Blind us to the point that we see no way out of our situation. 
But that's why it said, unless the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shine, the only remedy to remove the blinders of hopelessness off of our life is Christ in us, the hope of glory. His glory removes every blinder and allows us to see what God really has for our lives. Can I just preach this? Do you remember over in the book of Kings, there was Elijah and his servant, and the Bible said his servant went out one morning, and they were totally surrounded by a Syrian army. They were totally surrounded. They were outnumbered, and he, he lost it. He's like, oh my God. He said, he said, he went to the man of God. He said, you don't understand. We're surrounded. What are we going to do? We're surrounded by our problems. We're surrounded by our struggles. We're surrounded by our issues. What are we going to do? We're surrounded. I look on every side. I look on this side. There's a problem. I look on this side. There's a situation. What do we do? And the prophet, the man of God, just right calmly, he said, mm -mm. he said, it's all good. And he said, I want you to go back again. He said, huh? I need you to go back again. And the Bible said, as he began to walk, the prophet prayed. This is the power of intercession. This is the power of prayer. He said he prayed. He said, Lord God, when he goes back, I pray that the servant's eyes would be open. I pray that his eyes would be open. And the Bible said when that servant got out and looked up, he said, oh, my Lord. He said he saw chariots surrounding his hardships and struggles. He saw that, watch this, that, that, that the armies of God was surrounding what was surrounding him. Oh, God, you didn't hear what I just said. And the prophet said, I want you to see now that you have a hope that says there is more for you than it is against you. And somebody needs to hear, I'm praying that your eyes of hope would be open to know that there is more for you than it is that's coming against you. Your God is for you. He is for your joy. He is for your peace. He is for your health. He is for your strength. He is for your comfort. He's for your marriage. He's for your children. He's for your career. He's for your purpose. He's for your dreams. We serve a God that is for us. More is for you than there could ever come against you. But you have to put your hope and faith in the one that is for you. He's for you. He's not against you. Object of hope. But then you have your promises of hope. See, biblical hope is not an optimistic outlook on life. But it's confident expectation rooted in the solid certainty of God's promises. I will say it again. It's not optimistic outlook on life. But it's confident expectation in the solid certainties of the promises of God promise of hope now watch this all the promises of God hear me what I'm about to say all of God's promises are unfailing but his promises aren't unconditional ooh yeah yes 
All of his promises are unfailing, but they're not unconditional. There are conditions that have to be met in order to receive them. See, we want to jump over the... Con mm -hmm, the con see, see, God's promises don't fail. Man fails to meet the conditions of God's promises. Okay, you want Bible? I hope you wanted Bible. Let me get, it's conditional. One word, you see it, if. He said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fat of the land. You will prosper, but it's conditional. That promise won't fail, but you can't fail to meet the conditions of the promise. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But the condition is, I can't expect the shaken down, pressed together, running over if I don't give. That's the condition. But if I meet the condition, God says my promise is unfailing. Can, can, can I give you something real quick? The Bible said in this promise, listen to this promise, Job 14 and 7. He says, for there is hope for a tree if it is cut down that it will sprout again and that its tender roots will not cease. God said, I'll give you a promise. We are likened to trees more than anything else in the Bible. He said, if one of my trees is cut down you can have hope that you'll rise up again and produce again and flourish again and be fruitful again he said in, he said he said in Ecclesiastes listen to what he says but for him who is joined to all the living there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion you know what he's saying if you have a pulse, you still have purpose. If, you still, if you're still breathing, there's still a blessing. He said, if you're still alive, there is still hope. He said, if you are in this service this morning and you are breathing and you're under the sound of my voice, I don't care what you're going through, what you're up against, the very fact that you are alive, God said there is hope. A living dog is better than a dead lion. If you're dead in the grave, there is no hope. But if you are alive this morning, there is hope. Let me give you the last one, and I'm going to wrap it up. The last one is the empowerment of hope. Notice what the scripture said, that you might abound in all hope by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit. Put up Romans chapter 8 for that scripture so I can show it to him. Because here's where it comes in at. Here it is. What do you mean? That you might abound. That word abound means an abundance of. A multitude of. A lot of. A lot of hope. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Notice the next verse. But if we hope for what we do not see, 
We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Stop right there. We wait for it with perseverance. How do we wait for it? How do we persevere? What's going to enable us? You got to read scripture in context. Next verse. Likewise, I'm going to tell you how. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself will make intercessions for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let me, let, me, let me break this down. If you study this in its original writing, there's a picture that is painting. When it said the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness, the picture is someone who has fallen down into a pit of despair, of hopelessness. They're down and out. They're down in the valley. They're far away from any kind of help or rescue. And it would be easy. Here's the picture that the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I'm praying for you. You're going to make it. It's going to be all good. Hang in there, buddy. I'm going to help you. That's not the picture. The picture that he's painting, when I help you with your weakness, I'm going to help you persevere. I'm going to help. I know you don't know what to pray for. I don't know you know what you're going to say. But here's the picture. What he does first, he says, uh-uh, I'm not going to stay up here. I'm going to come down. I'm going to jump down in the pit with you. I'm going to come down. Can you help me preach? Come on. Come on here. Come on. I'm going to come down where you are. And I'm going to grab a hold of you. Let's turn this way. And I'm going to say, I know I caught you off guard. And, and this is what the Holy Spirit. See, he's the helper. He's the paraclete who comes alongside of you. And he says, I'll jump down to where you are. And I'll grab a hold to you in your weakness. And I know all you have is tears for words. But when I grab a hold to you, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to start interceding for you. I'm going to start touching heaven for you. I'm going to start praying in a tongue and a language that the devil can't decode. He doesn't know, but I'm going to help you, and this is how you're going to make it. When everything seems hopeless, you're going to make it because I'm going to help you out. That's why the Bible says, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He comes down and brings hope in a hard place how am I going to get over this horrible divorce the Holy Spirit how am I going to come out of this debt the Holy Spirit how am I going to get my peace and my joy back the Holy Spirit how am I going to overcome these obstacles and adversity the Holy Spirit how am I going to keep moving forward when I lost everything the Holy Spirit he's helping me he's strengthening me he's bringing me up he's bringing me out he's lifting me he's enabling me I know the devil thought I was gonna die but I'm coming out I know the doctor said I wouldn't live but I'm coming out I know the bank said they wouldn't give me another loan but he's gonna provide my every need because he is with me I need somebody to give Jesus a shout of praise because you know the Holy Spirit is with me Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.